Thank you for listening, but please be advised that I don't just believe shit I hear on podcasts, and I hope you don't either. Be skeptical and look into things for yourself. If you find that I was wrong about something, the best thing you could do for me is to let me know. You can do that at livingthroughextinction at gmail.com. Please also be aware of the fact that I do swear, and I don't bleep anything out. So listener discretion is advised. episode 85 of Living Through Extinction, a short-to-the-point podcast with science and skepticism, environment and wildlife, and stuff I find cool that I want to learn more about. It's time to finish off with religion where it doesn't belong, in honor of the National Day of Reason, which landed on May 4th this year. Today, I talk about that dumb fuck who quoted the Bible to stop a bill that would have prevented special needs kids from being hit in school. Some more dumb fucks who think it's a good idea to replace trained counselors in schools with untrained Christian chaplains. How being honest about non-belief when taking an oath in court biases Christian jurors against defendants. A pastor and director of a Christian camp who was told he and his wife must denounce their transgender son or he would lose his job. And other biblically defended bad behavior. If you've joined me before, then thank you for returning. I really do appreciate you. If this is your first time listening to Living Through Extinction, welcome. I hope you find it both fun and informative. And if you're interested in supporting the show, all the possible ways are listed after the final segment and thank yous. You see the Middle East, right? That's an example of how a society ends up when religion is inserted into politics. It will not be any different here someday if we don't crack down on this shit. The main reason religion and politics do not belong together is that people can interpret religious texts to mean whatever they want. This person interprets the Bible in a way that makes them love and accept everyone, while that person interprets the Bible in a way that allows hatred and violence against those who are different. Because these religious books are so easy to twist into whatever a person wants, they are used to defend atrocities on a regular basis. We have seen this in the U.S. quite a bit over the centuries, and even in the last few weeks. Let's start with an example out of Oklahoma last week. Last month, I guess, by the time this episode comes out. Let's look at the horrifying way the whole corporal punishment in schools thing went down in Oklahoma. Corporal punishment in schools is still practiced in 15 states. A lot of people seem to be surprised by that fact. I'm not. While not trying to ban it completely, Republicans in Oklahoma tried to make it slightly better by introducing a bill that would make it so corporal punishment could not be used on special needs children. Nobody expected that anyone would have any issue with this. Oh, you poor naive souls. Do you really not get that your party is made up majorly of Christian nationalist monsters now? This bill to protect special needs children failed to pass. Of course it did. One legislator got up and preached that not hitting special needs kids was unbiblical. I'm going to play it for you from his own mouth in just a minute. Let me make it very clear. These people who claim that the anti-abortion bills are all about the children refuse to pass a bill protecting special needs kids from being hit in school. I'm not even kidding. 
State Representative Jim Olson quoted the Bible to defend his stance on this. Let's listen to this theocratic statement, a statement that we would all expect from the Middle East about the Quran. This is something people who complained about me speaking against Christianity and politics told me the Bible would never be used to do, told me it could never be used to do. Obviously people who never read the fucking thing. Just listen to this. Several scriptures could be read here. Let me just read just one. Proverbs 29, the rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. So that would seem to endorse the use of corporal punishment. So how would you reconcile this bill with, with scripture's counsel on this matter? How would you reconcile this bill with scripture's counsel? That is a theocracy. That should never be said in any of these meetings. Yet, of course, it's coming up all the time because, you guys, freedom is pretty much over in the U.S. If this statement from a government official doesn't scare the shit out of you, you haven't been paying attention to how these things have played out in other nations. This is theocratic talk, and theocracies are about as far from being free as a nation can get. Read the Bible. Because if America does turn into an official theocracy, which is the direction it appears to be headed, you should at least have an idea what that means. Y'all know there aren't just 10 commandments, right? There are actually 613 Levitical laws the Bible commands all to follow. They include wearing mixed threads and eating shellfish right alongside with men sleeping with men. So on that note, if you feel the need to hate gay people and use the Bible to defend your bigotry, then you better not be wearing any mixed thread clothing and you sure as fuck better not be eating shellfish. According to your book, those things are just as bad, if not worse. Read it. If you have a belief system and wish to follow its laws, good for you. But the minute you try to insert it into the government of all the people, you are overstepping. Your religious laws are yours not mine. I live by man's laws, which are much more humanistic and also more skeptical, damn it. There are lawmakers in Texas right now who are pushing Bill SB 763. If this were to pass, then a school district would have the option of replacing their trained school counselors with untrained Christian chaplains. No education in any form of psychology required, chaplains ignorant of actual mental and social issues, and more likely to suggest to a child that they are sinning or not praying enough if they reach out to them than to actually offer any actual guidance. This is a horrifying step in the stairway to theocracy. This puts our youth at a very high risk for untreated mental problems. This puts our LGBT youth at risk of being made to feel like there's something wrong with them. This is going to lead to massive mental illness in adults and massive suicide rate increases in school-aged children, as many will no longer have a place to turn to get the help they may need that they may not be able to get at home. Members of the government, people who if they followed their own constitution would be keeping religion out of it, inserting their personal religions into schools, another place where it doesn't belong, and taking away what for some kids is the only person they feel safe reaching out to. This is religion and politics and religion and schools. This is damaging. This is going to do harm. 
This is what it looks like when a nation devolves into theocracy and the schools become oppressive rather than expressive. It's wrong and does not belong in a free society. Jurors are representing the state and as such, they should be instructed to leave their religious beliefs out of it. Non-believers who don't wish to lie cannot say they swear to God because they don't actually believe in a God. These individuals take a secular oath instead, often on a copy of the Constitution. To me, that's more ethical than making a public oath to something you don't actually believe in. But they are being penalized for taking this ethical action. The reason? Most religious jurors don't look unbiasedly upon the non-believers they are judging. Many take personal offense at the realization that a person does not believe in the God that they believe in. The mere admission of not believing in a God makes it more likely a person will be guilty in their eyes. That was the finding in a study published in the British Journal of Psychology. Admitted non-believers are more likely to be found guilty by believers. And believers were more likely to believe a person who swore in the Bible was being truthful than one who did not. That is such bullshit. Anyone can falsely swear on the Bible, you idiots. These results are huge evidence as to why religious-based oaths should be gotten rid of completely. Have them swear on the Constitution or something that represents the state itself. There's nothing fair about how religious jurors are coming to their conclusions. And aren't Americans supposed to be guaranteed a fair trial? Religion does not belong in a court of law in a free nation. But it's the norm in a theocracy. Politicians and Christians in general use their personal religion to defend their bad behavior and often to say and do things that no good person would do if it were not for religion. One example of this is the Christian camp director who was told he and his wife had to denounce their transgender son or he would lose his job. Told to denounce his son. That would be a despicable action to most people. His son was even Christian, someone who tried to win souls at school and all that shit. But he knew he was transgender, which is something that without brain scans, only he could possibly know. And he was honest about that fact. And for his honesty, his family was punished because Christianity gives the bigots a reason and an excuse to be horrible human beings if they choose to be. FYI, there is no excuse to be a horrible person in humanism, period. I can't remember if it was Hitchens who said it or what, but this statement makes sense. Evil people will do evil things, whether or not they believe in a religion. Good people will do good things, whether or not they believe in a religion. But it takes religion to make a good person do an evil thing. And that is so very true. We've seen it over and over again in nations around the world over the centuries. The good news in this case is that instead of keeping his job and denouncing their son, they packed up and moved to New Zealand where they and their family could truly be free. Good for them. Some other examples of Christians using their religion as an excuse to do bad things. There was that school board candidate who openly said that God told her she could break the law when it came to obtaining signatures. There was the father who drowned his four-year-old daughter in a baptismal pool as he attempted to exercise his child. There's the 24-year-old woman who shot her kids. They were two and six years old. She did this so that they would definitely go to heaven. She made sure they died before they could commit any sin. There's that Gordon fucker Klingon ship or something like that? I know it sounds like Klingon ship, but it's not. Fuck that guy. I don't need to get his name right. His response to a vicious attack on a pregnant woman who was raped, stabbed, and survived but lost her baby? 
His response was that it was God's way of punishing the U.S. for legalized abortion. What a fuckwit. And this using religion to villainize and blame the victims is quite common in the U.S. Pat Robertson did it when Haiti had that horrible earthquake. He said that it happened because the people there had a pact with the devil. Franklin Graham did it after Hurricane Katrina, saying that it targeted New Orleans because of the city's sinful reputation. Tony Perkins did it when he said that God sends natural disasters to punish gay people. At least this one had a karma-like ending, as he then had his own home destroyed by a flood. If it had to happen to someone, best it was someone like him, so he can see for himself that natural disasters happen to everyone. And I could go on and on and on. But that's enough religious and political segments for now. I believe I've made several valid points over the last two episodes. Feel free to let me know if I got anything wrong. Please consider joining me in practicing critical thinking and scientific skepticism in celebration of the National Day of Reason. And remember to continue to be skeptical, damn it. People who know me today are very surprised to learn that at one time I intended to raise my children with a belief in a religion. At the time, I was still somewhat closeted. And because of the anxiety I experienced due to my inability to believe and facing my mortality at such a young age, I plan to raise my kids with a belief. Today, I look back and feel shame for that brief period of time, ashamed that I thought I should stray from what I believe to be true. The fact of the matter is, I didn't care as much about the truth back then as I do today. I wasn't learning skepticism yet. I was still sometimes being taken in by things that would never work on me now. This idea that I would raise my kids religious did not go anywhere, thankfully. When the time came to sit down and read one of the two books I had to my baby boy, I couldn't bring myself to finish a single story. It was a book made for infants and toddlers, with big, cute, happy characters representing all the people in the biblical stories. They were little two- to four-page stories full of adorable, colorful images. I started reading out loud, my baby boy on my lap, and about halfway through started to read it a little quieter, until by the time I was at the end, I was reading it in my head. What the fuck did I just read? I can't read shit like this to a baby? This story was literally... So-and-so followed and listened to God, and God loved and rewarded them, while so-and-so did something different, so God punished them, and they were sad and miserable forever. Reading this to forming minds is going to create people who never learn to think for themselves. I don't want that. But that was just one story, right? They can't all be like that. I'll just never read that one again. So I flipped to a different story. The exact same thing. Exact. Another story, same. Another story, same. Every single story was laid out in a way to brainwash a forming mind. This was obviously very, very wrong. But maybe it's just this book. I got a bad one. They can't all be like that, can they? So the baby book went into the garbage, and I pulled out the children's picture storybook. More the same. This time a bit more advanced for the brainwashing of children's brains, rather than babies and toddlers. I did not remember the stories I grew up with being like this. I figured this had to be a newer thing. I threw the book away and called my mom to get one of my childhood books. It was called Under the Tagalong Tree. My memories were of learning lessons about being nice and shit. And it turned out my memories were incredibly selective. While there were a few stories that could be stretched to be some moral lesson or another, the great majority of the stories were no different than the two books I had thrown in the garbage. Thankfully, I read this book to myself first, so I never exposed my son to it at all. And so I had my second awakening. 
The first was my realization that religion was a man-made construct and I would probably be stuck pretending to believe my entire life. This was in my single digits, so before 10 years old. It took more than 20 years for me to have my second, and that was that it's not all right to lie. That the truth does matter. And I am in no way comfortable with lying to my kids. No fucking way. I had to face it. I couldn't bring myself to lie to my children, and I certainly could never bring myself to read them such obvious brain-molding materials. It's better that they deal with mortality at an early age than waste their only life waiting for a second life that'll never come. It was this that led me to scientific skepticism and learning how to identify deception, fake media, and fallacious statements. We did deal with mortality at an early age, but I talked to them and I never lied. I also made sure that they were aware of what other people believed in case they would end up on a different road than myself. That never happened, though. My kids have actually expressed their gratitude at being raised secular, even though they went through the whole you're going to hell because you don't believe in Jesus bullying in school. And I, for one, am glad that I had that second awakening that led me to a much more open and honest relationship with not just my kids, but with myself as well. And that's a wrap for religion and politics, for now. Though next month is Pride, so they may have to come up a bit in those as well. We'll see. Until then, subscribe to the YouTube for weekly short skeptical videos. Thank you for joining me. May your health and sanity continue to be replenished daily. My eternal gratitude goes out to the following people. Jason Martin for helping me get started on this project more than three years ago. I wouldn't be doing this right now if not for him. Kathy Rayner for her musical contribution on the violin. Paul Palmer for his musical contribution on the guitar. He can be found at WPG Suitcase Drummer on Instagram. Dustin Harder for composing and recording the intro and outro for the show. You can find him on Instagram at Prairie Soul Music. And finally, thank you to my household for putting up with me. I love you all lots. I hope you will choose to join me again in two weeks for episode 86 of Living Through Extinction. If you enjoy Living Through Extinction and would like to support the show, the best ways to do so are to subscribe and rate and to comment and like positive comments on your favorite podcast player. Or you can help out by following, liking, and sharing on all the social medias. The show can be found under Living Through Extinction on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Pinterest, and TikTok, and under LTE Pod on Twitter and Hive. There's also a Patreon at patreon.com slash livingthroughextinction. There you can earn stickers, pins, masks, and more, as well as help me to plant some trees. If you have any comments, corrections, questions, or suggestions, please email them to livingthroughextinction at gmail.com or message me through one of the social medias. 